My next guest is a fila or a performance poet and one of the founders of Wild Irish Retreats, an initiative to help people connect with their heritage in a natural setting through play, poetry and foraging. Sheila Dupuer, good morning. Siobhan Dupuer, sorry. Good morning. How are you? Hello. Siobhan, excuse me. I don't know why I was thinking of a Sheila. There you go. How are you? How's it going? Thank you so much for taking our call this morning. I don't know if you were listening there earlier on, but we were talking about the forests in Ireland and and, uh, the threat that they're under and working towards, you know, reforestation. Um, Mm. So you love our natural uh, settings of course and you you bring play poetry and foraging to people how did you get into this space yourself um i had a profound awakening myself by a river when i was working in dublin doing the usual nine to five as a journalist um fairly superficial existence with the exception of an interesting job and um i i had this awareness that um my suffering was caused by my resistance to it. So it was one of these moments where you just see your mind, as it were, and separate from it. And it happened by the river, the Dada River, I always remember it. And it kind of catapulted me off into a journey of self-inquiry and self-exploration out to Nepal and India and into those spiritual traditions out I used there. To, I used to play in the Dada as a kid, would you believe? That's so oh, funny. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you say yeah. you, all you had, you felt was an interesting job, uh, you're kind of describing my life there. Go on, tell me more, Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> this is either, when I say superficial, it's just, it's the level of which I was, which I was experiencing things. You know, there was, um, it's looking for stimulus and not feeling really joy and contentment at the simple things like I do now. And, that I think it's a very common story as well because I think it's actually just part of our evolution as human beings and human development and going into this self-inquiry who am I what am I you know these questions that we don't really ask why am I yeah why am I so you were were, this happened to you quite early on though in your life I I was 28 yeah so it's it's a normal enough age a Saturn return uh, 28, 30 you know yeah Um, it can happen earlier or later for people I'm fascinated now because I just I was on holiday in, in Greece and, and my partner kept saying are you having a middle life crisis I said it's called a midlife crisis but yeah I got just a little bit of introspection and thinking about things and that seems to be you know in the last couple of years there's a general move to that what was your what was the moment what happened by the river I was heartbroken because I was jilted and I was so convinced that you know I just this man should be with me and that was and in refusal just in refusal at the reality of it yeah. um, which was a no from him and I, I realised and if I just accepted that no that my this heartbreak and this terrible emotional turmoil would just cease and, and it was and did it, it work? was that understanding that I am not my suffering there was some separation that happened there Oh, Between like me that. and this, what I was feeling, a lack of identification. I wasn't personalizing it. And oh. it, it, only, it only took that one moment, that crack of light to get in, you know. And I was reading recently actually about rivers and a lot of the sages would go to the rivers and the bards to get inspiration. And I only made that connection years later that it was relevant that I was sitting by the river, you know. So having um, a broken heart was the little bit of light that came in to, to, for you to question y- who and why you are really. I think suffering is an essential part of an existential crisis, you know, and emotional suffering and emotional pain seems to push people to the limits of 
kind of their humanity. And so then they're forced to the spirit where the endurance is and where the, the greater transcendence is. And that's why endurance and suffering are sort of elements of rites of passage. You know, where in, in indigenous cultures they would create rites of passage for this um, development into maturity to happen, to go from the child consciousness to the adult consciousness. And we don't have that anymore. It happens to women usually in birth, but there isn't a natural way for it to happen to men. And so there's a lot of focus at the moment about how to create those. That's why there was more of a, a focus on creating rites of passage for men than women, because it was automatic for women in birth. And these rites of passage were that create sort of suffering, endurance, hardship, those elements that are difficult for the human spirit and that the mind really can't hold. Sure. And so the mind, when the mind leaves go, the spirit takes over. So, so then on your own journey, you, you followed a path to uncover more about our own ancient and spiritual traditions here in Ireland, as you just sort of touched on there. Yes, uh, it was when I came home really that it all grounded in and that whole spiritual trip into the, the, the scriptures and the sutras of Hinduism and Buddhism and hundreds of hours meditating um, in the Vipassana tradition. And it was really only when I came home that it all integrated and grounded in. You know, it was very heady until that point. And something about ste- stepping foot on the land of Ireland um, made it real, brought it home, you know. And this, I discovered then that we had a very rich spiritual tradition here because all I left was a Catholic tradition, which didn't hold any water after my studies. So what I came back to then was something much richer. And I realized, oh God, this is what we have. And it resonated so deeply with me, much more so than the others had. And it was like coming home and... and, um, it's this, you know, they say when you find your spiritual lineage, uh, this idea that the prayers of your ancestors are the most important, the most powerful prayers that you could say. And so that the ones you transplant, even though they will, they will have their own power from another tradition, won't be the same resonance in your, in your soul lineage, you know. Wow. So um, that's what the Celtic tradition is for me. And that's what I found. And this rewilding um, is a word for reconnecting with that that soul story that you have. So I'm going to jump forward a little because I want to get to talk about what you do, uh, which is Wild Irish Retreats. How did that start? It started with myself and dealing with Mace, uh, dealing with Ling, this uh, incredible uh, man, well, I have to say that now, he's my... <laughs> mm-hmm. He's my... He's my um, my love now, but at the time we, we, yes, we, he's a hurler and he's a master hurler. Um, and I'm a wordsmith and I'm a master wordsmith. And these, I suppose it was sharing our gifts. We yes. were sharing the mastery that we have. And I think that's why a lot of people start running retreats. They have, they have reached a certain level with where they're at and they realize that it's time to just transmit, you know. But it was, we had this passion because the two of us were in the West Kerry Grail Tucked. We were down there to heal. We were down there to connect because we knew we needed that. And we were on a similar place in our journeys. And we were discovering wild food for the first time, seaweed and in this incredible coastline down there and the wildflowers. And he was teaching me how to hurl and I was inspiring him to write poetry. And so all that then became the retreat. Uh, that we created, the first one we created. And it then became a business. And it, it now is, you know, five years later, our business. And we create these sort of spaces, which aren't very much like a retreat, actually. They're very active uh, weekends for people 
essentially to be out, outdoors, to be in nature, to do those things, to play, to be physical in the body, to be um, creative with poetry, to uh, the Irish language is integrity to it. And well, the Irish so, language kind of ties it all together. So you simultaneously are connecting nature with language. Would that yes. be right? and, uh, and So tell me a bit about that. The, an Irish language is integral to this because it is the wild Irish retreats, yes? Yes. So what became apparent is that the Irish language is... Um, a beautiful language. ...is a tool for yeah. reconnection itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it has... It's very, there's a very interesting parallel you can draw, actually, and um, it, it, it's, you, you know, it follows on from what Owen was saying. We have the monoculture of Sitka spruce plantation, you know, the, the biodiversity of a native Irish woodland. In English, it's a monoculture language. The, the vibratory quality, there's much less of a range of vibration. You've got 25 letters in the alphabet or so. And in Irish, you have about 56 vibrations, 56 different sounds. Wow. So you have this much more diversity of vibration and every vibration in the body is acting on the body because we know this now that we're in a a waveform universe where all things are frequency and everything is a sound wave. And so when you look at it from that level, you see the importance of the language and the language you're speaking, just how fundamental and foundational it is and how much it's acting on your biology, the anatomy of language. And also within the Irish language is stored the, the knowledge of all that ever used it. It's a repository of knowledge. Sure. And it's a repository of the knowledge that we had at a time when we were connected to the land. So tell me so this. So when we spoke Irish, we Yeah, I, I we went to Gaelic school and I, yeah. I've lost my Irish tragically and I want to get it back. It's one of my one of my commitments to myself for this next year. So do people have to be able to speak Irish to do one of the wild Irish retreats? No, and as we went along, we reduced the standard. Um, because that became apparent. There was an awful lot of people who just, they were yearning, yearning, grieving, wanting yes. their tongue back. Yeah. And they they didn't know where to start. And actually what we found is people were way better than they thought they were. But they were totally getting put off by the idea that there might be any standard that they'd have to live up to. Sure. So it was the bilingual then after the first couple. And it was all bilingual. So we were translating and we are translating things as we go along. Um, it's essential for people really, you know, just because it is, it, it is a first step. It's a reclamation step. Um, it's not an improver's course. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's, yes. that's and what it it's for like. people like yourself yes. who kind of, who, and it's most, I mean, it's in general, it's for Irish people really, because it's not pure beginner. So it wouldn't be for people who haven't been, um, because most Irish people would have it in school. Of course, of course. Um, and I mean, people who haven't been do come, but they're a bit lost, you know, because it's, it's what we're doing is we're tapping into those 12 years. Learning <laughs> went in, it's in there somewhere, but it's, it's now, it's, it's covered with, with the, the shame and the resistance and the, Listen, the, there's an awful lot of shame that we don't speak our own language. Listen, I could and talk to you. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in, Siobhan. I'm de- it sounds absolutely wonderful. Very quickly, how can people find out more about Wild Irish Retreats? Wildirishretreat.ie is our website and uh, we do the um, Doing Stonewall building now coming up I think in October and Siobhan Poor Gormila Mahagut thank you so much Gormila Mahagut <laughs> take, take a quick break <laughs>